Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and uh, give us a call, 208-991-4783, and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all your support. Now here's today's episode of Sherlock Holmes, The Ancient Queen. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft clothes for men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast present Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's immortal character, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Starring John Stanley. This week's story, The Adventure of the Ancient Queen. Holmes. What is it, Watson? Look through the window here. Someone just dashed out of a cab. He's running into this building. Indeed, Watson, a late hour for anyone to be about. Well, seems to be coming up to our room. Good Lord, Holmes, did you hear that? Yes, Watson. It seems that our nocturnal visitor has been suddenly detained. Well, we're at the door of Dr. John Watson's study, and we're about to hear another of his adventures with the fabulous Sherlock Holmes. Well, good evening, Mr. Harris. Oh, good evening, Dr. Watson. What memoir are you working on tonight? I call it The Adventure of the Ancient Queen. And a rather weird and bizarre case it was, too. One of Holmes's prime favorites, I might add, with an origin over 3,000 years old. 3,000 years old? Exactly, Mr. Harris. Well, Dr. Watson, who was this, this ancient queen? All in good time, Mr. Harris. I shall reveal that a little later. But now it would seem is the appropriate time for a word about those excellent Clippercraft clothes. And so it is, Doctor. If you've been wearing high-priced clothes, you may wonder how your Clippercraft dealer can afford to give you one of the finest suits you've ever seen for only $40 or $45. Well, it could happen only in America. And here's the answer. The friendly independent store in your community that sells Clippercraft clothes is one of the more than 1,200 fine stores throughout the nation who concentrate their huge purchasing power just to bring you big money suits at exceptionally low prices. The savings on fabric purchases alone are tremendous. Naturally, production and distribution costs are lowered, and enormous economies are affected by Clippercraft's operation of their great tailoring plants on a full-time schedule all year round. And there you have it. The honest reason behind Clippercraft's amazing value. That's why you can own a handsome Clippercraft suit of luxurious worsted at only $45. And why millions are so delighted with Clippercraft's incredibly low prices for fine top coats and overcoats. Yes, compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. 
And now, Dr. Watson, what about this adventure of the ancient queen? Well, Mr. Harris, as I recall, it took place in the spring of 1896. And properly speaking, it began not on our own green island, but on the sun-baked sandy waste of lower Egypt. It was in this area that Sir Edward Norcross, the eminent British archaeologist, had long sought the ancient mysteries of the pharaoh. Then one day, near a place called El Ayat on the lower Nile, he broke into a hidden underground tomb, crisscrossed with dark and dust-choked passageways, brooding with the silence of centuries. And then Sir Edward and his assistant Smythe left the rest of the excavation party and pushed forward into the most remote section of the subterranean tomb. <laughs> <coughs> It's just, Sir Edward, it's almost impossible to breathe. Yes, my... <coughs> the accumulation of some 3,000 undisturbed years. Oh, I don't like it, sir. We, we've never gone this deep before. I don't know. I, I've got a feeling we are not alone here. Oh, rubbish. No living person has entered this tomb for centuries. Perhaps up ahead we may... Smythe. Yes, sir? Hold that lantern higher. I think I see. Smythe. Smythe, found it. Good Lord. Come on, let's have a closer look. Look, Smythe. The hieroglyphics. The reliefs on the walls. The lotus bud columns. The green stone beetle. The sacred hawks of Horus. Royalty. Nineteenth dynasty in the period of Ramesses the Pharaoh. And here... There's a stone mummy case, a sarcophagus. Oh, George, sir, it must be. Yes. Come, Smythe, help me. Let's force open this stone coffin cover. Yes, sir. I'll get under it with the crowbar, sir. Uh, it's opening, sir. Smythe. Look. Good Lord, sir. It, it's a queen. Yes, Smythe. The queen of the Egyptian pharaoh, Ramesses the second. We've been looking for her for years. Years. And now I've found her. We'll take her back to London. Put her on exhibit in the British Museum. But will His Excellency Ahmed Bey allow this, Sir Edward? Ahmed Bey is merely the Khedive's agent for archaeological matters. I have a directive from the crown, from Buckingham Palace itself. Oh, look at her smile. Lying there in the mummy case. Looks almost alive, doesn't she? Yes, sir, Edward. It almost seems like a sacrilege to disturb her. Beware, Vandal. Sir Edward, what was that? Voice. Voice from somewhere in the tomb. Beware, heathen disturbers of the dead. Violators of the tomb. Let the dead sleep. Sir Edward. Beware, desecrators. Take thy vile gaze from the Queen of Ramesses. Go. Leave this tomb and never return. Remove the noble one from her sacred sleep, and ye too shall sleep the sleep of death. Hearken to me, or ye shall die. to take the mummy of the Queen of Ramesses back to London, Sir Edward? Yes, Your Excellency. I plan to bring her directly to the British Museum. As Foreign Minister for His Royal Highness the Katie, 
I do not advise it. Well, what do you mean? You told me about the voice in the tomb, Sir Edward. You have been warned. Yes, yes, Your Excellency. I know the legend. It's supposed to be a fanatical Egyptian sect called the Society of the Sun, devoted to the protection of the sacred spirits of the royal dead. You are well informed, Sir Edward. Of course, it's all rot. Pure rubbish. I heard a voice, yes, but I'm sure it came from one of the Egyptians in my party, somewhere in the tunnel. Probably tried to frighten us away so that he could rob the mummy case of its priceless relics at will. You still insist on transporting the mummy to the British Museum? I do. Very well. You have royal authority and I cannot refuse you. However, there are a few details I must insist upon. Yes? The mummy case must remain sealed and placed under heavy guard for the entire voyage. And I myself will go along to see that this priceless treasure of Egypt arrives safely at its destination. Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, now you have the background of the story from His Excellency here, Ahmed Bay and myself. We came directly to your quarters here at Baker Street as soon as we saw the sarcophagus safely delivered to the museum. I see. We felt that this was a matter far beyond the province of the official police. Sir Edward here insisted that you were the only man in the empire capable of coping with this problem, Mr. Holmes. In that assumption, Your Excellency, Sir Edward is entirely correct. And I must say that I find your account of the incident in the tomb quite fascinating. Sir Edward, do you think this fanatical cult may strike soon? It has already struck, Dr. Watson. What? Do I understand you to say, Sir Edward, that the society has taken its first victim? Yes, Mr. Holmes, yes. My assistant, Smythe, he vanished on the ship on our third day out. We never saw him again. The deuce you say. Interesting, Sir Edward. Very. Your Excellency. Yes, Mr. Holmes? What is your opinion of this secret cult devoted to the protection of Egypt's ancient tombs? Mr. Holmes, I am what you call modern. I was educated at Oxford, and I know the views of the Western world on these legends. I am not a superstitious man myself, but I have a feeling that this cult does exist. Then you think it is dangerous, must be taken seriously. Yes, Dr. Watson. I have repeatedly suggested to Sir Edward here that the only safe course is to restore the mummy of the Ramesses Queen back to its original resting place and seal the tomb. Send the Queen of Ramesses back to Egypt? No, Your Excellency. This is the greatest discovery of my career. As you wish, Sir Edward. I must warn you, however, that I, as well as you, are in acute danger of death. After all, I have been an accessory to spiriting the mummy out of Egypt, and if these assassins decide to pay a visit to my suite at the Savoy, I... Oh, what the deuce is The there? window pane, Watson, has just been smashed. Yes, someone threw an object through it. Quick, Watson, to the window. Yes. See anyone on the street below? No, Holmes. I thought I saw a shadow turn the corner, but I, I, I couldn't be sure. Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, here's the object that broke your window. It's the scarab. Yes, a green stone beetle. And there's a note attached to one of the claws. Allow me to examine the notes, Your Excellency. Hmm. Dash it, Holmes, don't just stand there. What the devil does it say? Beware, Sir Edward. You have been warned. Your time will come and soon. For he who despoils the tomb of the pharaohs, he who violates their eternal rest, dies. Come in. Oh, 
Good evening, Hobbs. Uh, good evening, Dr. Forsythe. Uh, let me see. You're on duty as guard here at the museum tonight, are you not? Yes, sir. Hobbs, as director of the British Museum, I must emphasize the fact that you have a special responsibility tonight. Uh, yes, sir. Sir Edward Norcross has just brought us a new sarcophagus from Egypt. It contains the ancient queen of Ramesses and is priceless, priceless. I want you to keep a special eye on it tonight. You follow me, Hobbs? All right, sir. I won't let it get out of my sight for long. Uh, very good, Hobbs. Uh, you'll find the mummy case just below the massive granite statue of Ramesses in the Egyptian central saloon between the galleries. Good night, Hobbs. Uh, good night, Dr. Forsythe. I say, Hobbs. Yes, Watson. Where the devil are we going? After Sir Edward Nam had left our rooms, you rushed me out in the street and I didn't... First, Watson, we're going to the home of my good friend, Dr. Eustace Forsyth, director of the British Museum. Indeed, why? It's past closing time at the museum, so I hope I can induce Dr. Forsyth to allow us a special showing of Her Ancient Majesty, the Queen of Ramesses. Oh, home, surely you don't believe Watson, that? Watson, I'm prepared for anything at this point. We're dealing with a mystic here, with a, with a group of fanatics who will stop at nothing. I've instructed Sir Edward to bolt his doors and lock his windows, but I fear it may not be enough. What do you mean, Herb? I mean that Sir Edward's in very grave danger. Unless I underestimate this strange society of the sun, other lives will be at stake before this night is done. Hello. Hello. Who's there? Who's there near that mummy case? Speak up. Could have sworn I saw someone lurking around that mummy case with a man who's between that. No. No. No! All entrances and doors to the museum are locked, Dr. Forsythe. Yes, Mr. Holmes, locked and bolted. Everything but the main entrance, which I just unlocked with my own key. And the museum guard is watching that mummy case. Uh, yes, a man named Hobbs. Not <laughs> the kind of job I'd want, I must say. Where the deuce are we at this moment? In the Assyrian transept, Watson. In a moment, we shall pass through the North Gallery into the Egyptian Central Saloon. Mr. Holmes, I still don't understand the reason for this extraordinary visit to the museum tonight. Murder, Dr. Forsythe. Murder? Yes. And I only hope we're in time to... Ah! Holmes, good Lord, what was that? Follow me, both of you. Uh, here we are. At the Egyptian Central Saloon. Uh, there's a juice of dark in here. Quick, Watson, the match. Yes, sir. Here you are, Holmes. Here's the massive granite statue of Ramesses II and the mummy case of the Queen at its feet. Holmes, good Lord. Just as I feared, Watson, we're too late. Why, Hobbs, Hobbs, the guard. He's covered with blood. Yes. Dead. Yes, struck in the head by a tremendous blow. I, Watson, look. Uh, oh, where? Up at the statue of Ramesses II. Note the clenched granite fist. Holmes, good heavens, the statue's fist is it's smeared with blood. I don't understand it. I don't understand. Beware. What's that? What on earth is that? The so-called voice of Ramesses, apparently. Beware, heathen disturbers of the dead, violators of the tomb. Let the dead sleep. 
Hearken unto me or ye shall die. Well, Dr. Watson, so far it's been some adventure. Why, the thrills and chills are chasing themselves up and down my spine. This one's in a class by itself, Doctor. Class by itself? Oh, oh, you mean the American idiom for distinctive? Yes, that, that's just what I do mean. And you've chosen just the word I need when it comes to clippercraft pose, Doctor. Distinctive. Right now at the friendly independent store in your community that sells clippercraft clothes, one of America's greatest and most distinctive clothing values is yours. And for the savings you'll pocket, you can thank the great clippercraft plan. In a typically American way, more than 1,200 of this country's finest independent stores from coast to coast, stores you can trust, have merged their buying power to reduce fabric, production, and distribution costs to an absolute minimum. Otherwise, it would be quite impossible for you to own top coats or overcoats as luxurious looking as Clippercrafts for only $40 to $47.50. Or the new lightweight zipper lining Clippercraft top coat that is sweeping the country at a price that will surprise you it's so low. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and overcoats. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. And now, Dr. Watson, you were relating to us the adventure of the ancient queen. Yes, Mr. Harris, so I was. Holmes, Dr. Forsythe, and I stood there transfixed as that voice from the tomb echoed through the vast, eerie museum. It spoke, then it was still. Dr. Forsythe illuminated one of the gas chandeliers. And as the flickering flame played over the massive statue with the blood-stained fist, we seemed to feel a living presence in the room. Mr. Holmes. Yes, Dr. Forsythe. That voice, that eerie voice, it seemed to come from the mausoleum room next to the Nineveh Gallery. Shouldn't we hurry off and pursue Holmes? No, Watson, we should be wasting our time. Yes, but I... The museum is a vast place, Watson, as you well know, consisting of a whole series of special rooms. That echoing voice could have come from anywhere. Mr. Holmes, someone's coming. Yes. I see a man coming in, Mr. Holmes. See him? Ah, yes. The entrance to the Nineveh Gallery. Mr. Holmes. Why, it's His Excellency, Ahmed Bey. Mr. Holmes, I came down to the museum to pay my respects to Dr. Forsythe here and make arrangements for the exhibition of the mummy case. I didn't realize the museum was closed. Then I saw you going to the front door, heard a scream, and then... Ah. I'm afraid we're all a little late, Your Excellency. Yes. I see that now. The Society of the Sun. They've struck again. The statue of Ramesses seems to have struck this time, Your Excellency. If you'll just look at the fist. Blood. Blood on the fist. The pharaohs fighting in wrath. In revenge for the desecration of his queen. I cannot accept that observation, Your Excellency. Massive statues of red granite such as this one would find it very difficult to move. The killer smeared the fist with the blood of his victim to heighten the terror. Mr. Holmes, this is a terrible tragedy. Terrible. There must be some course we can take. Quite, Dr. Forsythe. We can begin where logic dictates. 
with a stone coffin and the mummy of Her Majesty the Queen. Watson, you take that end of the stone cover. I'll take this. It's quite heavy. You mean you're going to open the cover of the mummy case, Holmes? I am indeed. Mr. Holmes, it is dangerous. Quite, but entirely necessary and a risk we must take. Moreover, the mummy case has already been opened. You'll note the seal is broken. By Jove, Mr. Holmes, it is. Precisely, Dr. Forsythe. Now then, Watson. Lift her up. Well, gentlemen, there she is. The queen of the great pharaoh, Ramesses II, in a funeral shroud of bandages. Good heavens, Holmes. She looks lifelike. A secret lost with my ancestors, Dr. Watson. The art of human preservation for thousands of uh, years. One moment, Your Excellency. Yes, Mr. Holmes? A most unusual mummy, this. Look closely at that portion of bandage just over the heart. What about it, Holmes? It's apparently been ripped open for some reason and then re-sewn with modern thread. Mr. Holmes, you're right. I usually am, Dr. Forsythe. Moreover, there seems to be a cavity under that section of bandage. Note, as I press my finger upon it, it yields to the touch. I... Your Excellency. Yes, Mr. Holmes? I seem to recall reading somewhere that the Queen of Ramesses was given a rare and invisible gift by the sun god Ra. As one of the foremost Egyptologists in the world, have you ever heard of this legend? No. No, I have not. You are quite sure? I am positive, Mr. Holmes. Why do you ask? Merely an inherent curiosity, Your Excellency, or perhaps a positive thirst for facts. Come, Watson, we'll be off. Where to, Holmes? Baker Street, my dear Watson, Baker Street, to enjoy a quiet pipe and a bit of good reading. <laughs> How the devil can you sit in that chair and read some obscure and dusty volume while these fanatics... Patience, Watson, patience. I'm merely trying to resolve a point of scholarship. This obscure and dusty volume, as you've so irreverently called it, happens to be a rare edition of the Journal of Egyptian Mythology from the First Dynasty to the Middle Empire. I can't say I'm impressed, Holmes. Uh-huh. What is it, Holmes? I found it, Watson. I found it. You found what? I confess, Holmes, I'm entirely confused. Holmes, there's a coach drawing up to the curb. Obviously, Watson, I can hear it quite plainly through the open window. There's a man coming into the building. I think it's Sir Edward Norcross. Sir Edward? Watson, I instructed him to stay in his rooms behind bolt and key. The man's in grave danger. Uh, he's coming upstairs now. Ah! Holmes, good heavens. What... Quick, Watson, to the stairs. Yeah. Holmes, it is Sir Edward. He's, he's lying at the bottom of the stairs. He, he, he's dead. Quite with a crooked knife in his back and a note in his hand. Let's examine it, Watson. Holmes, what does it say? My dear Sir Edward, I have had the good fortune to obtain a strong lead on the Egyptian conspirators, but I require your immediate presence at Baker Street for the purpose of information. You may have no fear of leaving your quarters now. I assure you all at last is safe. Signed, Holmes. Aha, uh-huh. so that's how they lured Sir Edward from his rooms, Holmes. They forged your handwriting. Yes. Watson... I believe Ahmed Bey mentioned that he'd taken a suite at the Savoy. Yes, Holmes, he did. Then let's hurry off and see His Excellency at once, before it's too late. Your Excellency. Doesn't seem to be anyone in, Holmes. By Jove, Holmes, he's left his door unlocked, you know. Good Lord. Look at this room. Yes. A bit disorderly, isn't it, Watson? Disorderly? It's been turned upside down. 
Lamps are smashed. The furniture is all... Obvious signs of a fierce struggle. Hello, what's this? What's what? It seems that His Excellency was preparing for a long journey after having only this evening arrived from one. Aha, Watson, look here on the table. There seems to be a boat timetable of some kind. Precisely. Then for some reason he's returning to Egypt post-haste. On the contrary, my dear fellow, this happens to be the timetable of the liner Catania. And the Catania leaves Liverpool tomorrow at noon for America. For America? Holmes, dash it all, this doesn't make sense. It makes very good sense, Watson. The intentions and activities of His Excellency Ahmed Bey are crystal clear to me now. I... Uh-huh. What's this? There's only a towel thrown over the bed, huh? Use your eyes, man. Observe closely. You see this brown and sticky stain on the corner of this towel? Yes, Holmes. I see it now, but what is it? That stain happens to be resin. Resin? Quite. And it may interest you to know, Watson, that mummies in the 19th Egyptian dynasty were embalmed in a coat of resin before they were bandaged in order to preserve them. Oh, now what's the... I you... should be very happy to resolve this entire adventure for you, Watson, or at least partially, on our way to the British Museum. There, I think, that we shall see the end of this blood-drenched affair. <laughs> Well, you know, Holmes, at this moment I'm completely baffled. I, I, I see no connection between these various events. Then you... let me enlighten you, Watson. First, His Excellency Ahmed Bey is a member of the Secret Society of the Sun. What? Now let's reconstruct, Watson. Note that Ahmed Bey insisted on staying close to the mummy on its trip to England. Yes, yes, but I... It's reasonable to suppose, then, that Ahmed could have thrown Smythe overboard. But subsequent events made me sure of it. You remember we entered the museum with Dr. Forsythe through the main hall? Yes. Well, Ahmed Bey was there before us. He called to us from the Nineveh Gallery on the opposite side. Hence, we were between him and the only available entrance. By Joe Holmes, you're right. Quite. He assassinated the museum guard Hobbs. Then his greed got the better of it. He knew the ruby of Ra was hidden in the mummy's heart under the bandages. The ruby of Ra? Yes, Watson. According to the legend of which His Excellency denied all knowledge, the sun god Ra had given the Queen of Ramesses a huge ruby from his protective shield. It was placed in her heart to shield her from all harm. And Armand Bay dug it out and, uh, and re-sewed the bandages. Exactly. I noticed a bit of thread on his trouser cuff when he approached us in the Egyptian central saloon. It was the same thread used to sew the mummy's bandages. Then that resin stain on the towel... Obvious, Watson. The ruby was covered with resin from the mummy. And later, Ahmed Bey tried to wipe the sticky residue off with the towel. He had planned to escape to America with the ruby and sell it for a fortune. Is it why are we going to the museum now, Holmes? I... Because, Watson, I have a feeling that we shall encounter the end of our adventure there. <laughs> Come, Watson, let us again examine the occupant of this sarcophagus. Yes, sir. Give me a hand with this stone cover, will you? Oh, right, sir. Holmes, good heavens, the mummy of the queen. It's gone. Quite. And in her place lies his excellency, armored bear, with a crooked knife in his back. Precisely, Watson. The revenge of the Society of the Sun. Ahmed Bey tried to betray his own colleagues in vain. Yes, Holmes, I confess, I, I don't see how they can spirit a mummy out of the British Museum. They can, Watson, and they have. This, my dear fellow, is not only a sinister and deadly organization, but extremely resourceful. I have no doubt that even now they're taking the ancient queen back to Egypt, where she will again be entombed, away from prying foreign eyes, and with her, the great ruby of Ra. Holmes... What shall we do? Do? Nothing, my dear Watson. We've done what we can. To pursue this mummy further would lead only to 
further death and disaster. We are dealing in the realm of the mystic, almost the supernatural. To disturb the Queen of Ramesses is, after all, a kind of vandalism. And I, for one, am inclined to let the dead rest in peace. <laughs> Dr. Watson, that was certainly an unforgettable adventure. Indeed it was, Mr. Harris. And I might say here that as far as I know, the ancient queen of Ramesses has never been found. And Holmes and I always took the view that, well, may she rest in peace. Well, and now, Dr. Watson, what adventure will you have for us next week? Well, next week, Mr. Harris, I shall relate to you the adventure of a discordant bell. It concerns a creaking rope, a red smudge, a jangling refrain, and a human pigeon. The makers of Clipper Craft clothes and more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockhart. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley. Dr. Watson by George Spelman. This week's story was written by Max Ehrlich, with special music by Albert Berman. Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in the adventure of the discordant bell. Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Fly Eastern Airlines for double dependability. Dependable airliners, dependable personnel, an unbeatable combination. Save 5% by round-trip tickets. To fly anywhere in the world, call Eastern Airlines or your travel agent. This is WOR New York. Welcome back. Uh, well, a kind of different Sherlock Holmes. I didn't think it was uh, bad or anything. Though I guess kind of from the beginning that uh, His Excellency was up to no good in this case. But that was more intuition, intu intuition rather than specific evidence. Though I think when he showed up at the museum, uh, that was kind of the clincher that uh, something was wrong. Uh, and, uh, this story, though, I, I think is, uh, perhaps in keeping with, uh, if not Holmes's, uh, general tone, then, uh, perhaps Doyle's. Uh, Doyle did a lot of, uh, adventure stories, and, uh, they, they actually, in the 1930s, and we played this episode way back in the, uh, it was a pre-Rathbone Bruce episode, even, uh, called the uh, Hebraic uh, Breastplate, which was adapted from a Doyle uh, 
story about a museum and archaeology. So uh, this was uh, not far off from something that uh, Doyle might not have written, albeit he may not have had uh, Sherlock Holmes as the protagonist. All right, listener comments and feedback. Uh, Don says, listen to your podcast all the time at work, but I'm still catching up. Uh, the ones of, Nero, of the old Nero Wolf radio program are what attracted me to Rex Stout in the first place. Are you going to be doing any more? I plan on donating as soon as work pips up, but how about now by spreading the word to everyone I can? Well, thanks so much, Don. I appreciate that. In answer to the question about Nero Wolf, as of right now, there are no more old-time radio episodes of Nero Wolf. Uh, to a podcast. There are certainly quite a few lost episodes. There's only one from the Sydney Green Street era, uh, but uh, there's one whole uh, series over the New England radio network as well as uh, that's completely missing, and then two other series uh, that 25 episodes apiece are missing. So I wouldn't, if they show up and they're in a format I can do them, I'd love to, but uh, for now, that's all they're going to be for a Nero Wolf. Uh, uh, then finally, we have one more comment I want to get to here. This one from Danielle, uh, who writes from uh, Enumclaw, Washington. I listen to Sherlock Holmes, uh, a Sherlock Holmes story every night as I drift off to sleep. I've even used them in my classroom to help students hear the story, not just see it. Great tool. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely uh, uh, agree there's a power to uh, audio dramatizations. Probably when I was in college studying Shakespeare, um, one of the big uh, highlights uh, of that time was when the uh, professor actually went ahead and uh, played uh, recordings of Shakespeare's uh, uh, plays. It did help it to uh, come to life. Uh, sometimes the you know when, particularly when you're adapting the literature, there can be just so many uh, distractions uh, and so many things that just feel like okay, what what was this about here? Um, uh, and I think of course he he had us actually uh, watch the you know, Roman Polanski version of uh, Macbeth. Uh, when he was doing a movie in class, and that, that had issues. Uh, but uh, audio versions, when he played audio of the plays, I thought uh, that definitely did help come to life. So thanks so much, and uh, thanks for what you do as a teacher out there. And that will actually do it for today's episode of The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And then join us uh, next week. We'll be getting into our listener support campaign. And then the week after that, of course, we have, uh, uh, we'll be uh, announcing uh, some of the shows that we're going to have coming up next season. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and give us a call, 208-991-4783. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.